Hi and welcome everyone to the I have a dream podcast where host Rajan Navani initiates candid conversations with industry leaders and experts to explore their aspirations for India as we enter a golden period. Rajan is the national chairman of CII's Council on Future Businesses, India at 75 and the Artificial Intelligence Task Force and chairman, managing director and CEO of Jet Synthesis. Today's episode features Yashish Dahia, the founder and group CEO of Policy Bazaar, where he talks about India as a leader in the digital tech space in the coming years. To find out more, stay tuned. Hi, hi everyone and welcome to another edition of uh, I have a dream uh, fireside chat uh, this afternoon with Mr. Yashish Dahia, the founder of one of India's most successful companies in in recent years policy bazaar uh, welcome yashish uh, to this uh, to this chat and you know we are we're having this chat as we have entered our 75th year of indian independence uh, we are celebrating 75 years uh, of uh, a lot of things that have happened uh, as our amrit mahotsav but more importantly uh, we want to use this uh, as a year for us to be able to reflect how far we have come as a country uh, and really see where we can go from here as we continue to move towards uh, india at 100 and really find ways in which we can you know measure the impact of what has changed on the ground how do we really bring you know collective action together you know things like entrepreneurship business communities civil society government academicians Uh, all to kind of work together towards realizing what we truly all believe uh, is the golden age for uh, india so with those few words really warm welcome to you yashish and uh, you know i want to i want to keep this conversation uh, you know very very candid and really you know want you to speak more from the heart uh, and really begin like you know we all say that we have a dream for india right uh, would love to understand you know what's your dream for india and what really motivated you to get into a startup to kind of build something which has created so much significant value and really put our country you know up on the map out there for the world to see the potential of what india can achieve particularly in the area of fintech so you know just any thoughts that you might have around that i think uh, you know to be brutally honest my dream is actually uh, you know quite irrelevant i think the reality is india is going to essentially wow the world over the next 25 years in terms of what all india achieves and in a very nice manner by being a huge democracy by being a very technically savvy by uh, you know not having any hurtful intention towards anybody but at the same time being deeply strong and confident of, of itself i think uh, the magical moment for india actually was the upi moment because when the upi and the aadhaar actually launched in india the whole world noticed because it was not just cost efficiency it was technical supremacy and it was a thought process which was way ahead of whatever has happened anywhere in the world and i think taking a leaf out of that now with the you know atal digital health mission with the uh, things uh, like your account aggregator framework i think in all of this we are putting together a framework for the future 
which quite honestly, whether you look east or west, has not been as thought through anywhere in the world as we are doing. We always had the entrepreneurial talent. There is no doubt about it. You always had Indians doing very well abroad. When the world needed engineers, it was Indians. When the world needed doctors, it was Indians. When the world needed entrepreneurs, when the world needed business leaders, today, you know, I'm not saying anything new, right? You just look at how many companies in the US, especially in the technical side, are being led by Indians. And those Indians are just as, if not more capable of running companies in India. And they'd actually be prouder doing that. So uh, I think our time, we don't even need to call it a dream. It's here. We have to make sure we don't lose it. I, and actually, we, we can't lose it. It's, it's really, I'm, you know, there's some things that you don't have to think about. You just know. Uh, they, if, if, if we lose it, somebody else will pick it up. I think uh, for each of us individually, really the thing is, how much can we be a part of this growing India? Growing India is going to happen, right? And the leading India will happen. I don't think no, anybody can hold that back. No, no, you know, you love, I loved your word. You don't have to think about it, you know. You know, so when did you know that you're going to create Policy Bazaar? And tell us a little bit about that journey, because this will inspire many others, I'm sure, to, to kind of tread on this path. Uh, to be brutally honest, the reason I started Policy Bazaar is because I could not find a job fast enough. Okay. And, and you'd be surprised when you talk to people. I was talking to another person recently, and they mentioned the same thing, that there were two people who joined British Gas. One of them could survive. One of them could not survive. And the person who did not survive went and became a billionaire and set up a large organization. And, and that's, a, that's the truth of a lot of first-generation entrepreneurs. The reason they're entrepreneurs is because they actually found it difficult to be employees in, in one way or the other. And so, uh, but at the same time, there was a deep enough ambition to build something in the insurance category because we have a lack of health insurance and life insurance in our country. And I can see that the middle class in India needs it more than anybody else. When a middle-class person dies or uh, falls sick, uh, their family suffers in, a, in an irreparable manner. Because we are not as a country rich enough today to have the social security infrastructure, which is very aspirational. We have a basic social security infrastructure, but it's not a very aspirational one, if you will. And it'll take us some years before we as a country become rich enough that we can afford that. Very few countries in the world can afford that. Uh, and those countries are at the $50,000, $60,000 per capita income range, right? Uh, we, are, we are still at, you know, much lower. So I guess it'll take some time before we get there. And thus insurance is the way to provide that. And to me, this seemed like a life, lifetime opportunity. So it's a combination, right, of uh, things. But that is the big opportunity that I thought existed. And I thought uh, we had to educate the consumers. The biggest part was educating the consumers on the need for health insurance, life insurance, etc. And uh, when they did come on, they would do, uh, you know, they would do well for their families. And I think uh, it was just a question of actually convincing them. Was it difficult to, uh, you know, to educate? It's very difficult. I like will give you a very simple example. My uh, own uh, mother's uh, sister's husband is uh, 66 years old. He's retired. Uh, his wife has every year got claims. And then I ask that, uncle, why don't you buy insurance for yourself? And he says, I would like to buy for my wife because I know she's claiming every year, but I don't want to buy for myself yet because I don't think I need it. So I think maybe we've come out of a mindset historically. See, we, are, we, we have been a poor country. I think the first thing you do when you want to grow is you, realize, you make your realization. 
And so we have been a country with a lot of scarcity. So for people to take out 10,000 rupees, 20,000 rupees and put it out there with the hope that they will never claim it back because that's the best case, right? Nobody wants to fall sick. Nobody wants to die to make, you know, an insurance claim. So I guess uh, that's a very tough ask, but at the same time, it's a very necessary ask because what one has to see is statistically these events happen. You know, I, I tell people, if you go to hospitals, you'll see most of the time they are full and that's nothing to do with COVID or non-COVID. Actually, they were less full during COVID than without COVID. So I guess um, that realization uh, requires a bit of depth, which is why you would see, you know, when we advertise, we don't advertise in any medium except television, because we believe it is uh, too difficult to get the message across through any other medium. Uh, and, uh, you know, now we are putting in place a mechanism to actually meet people to kind of communicate this to them. So it's, it's difficult. It's a very, very difficult one. It's difficult for the consumer. It's difficult for the industry also at times to understand and kind of come to grips with every all parts of it. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting thing you say that, you know, especially when you're offering something that will destroy a family, right? If that event happens, typically, as you yes. said, especially in middle-class families, because of the amounts that they have to pay and you're expecting them to do it, you know, in advance, I can only imagine, you know, uh, uh, what you said, but, but I'm sure being a, a digital or a company of the digital age, while you've used television and all, you use a lot of digital technology, uh, both in outreach and your product, you know, you know, and you talked of the India stack and, you know, how that is supported. So how, how technologically, you know, how do you see your differentiator, particularly, you know, in, in this, in this space? So see, uh, there are two different areas. One is desired products. And second is uh, high convincing required products. So desired products tend to be loans or any mandatory products, car insurance, two-wheeler. In those, technology plays a huge role and we would deploy all the technology required to make sure the process is smooth and the data is, is there and everything works smoothly. So you would see a lot of that. When you come to intent products, intent products being very important for people, but you know, it's, it's like you know we've all studied latent need. Even the consumer does not understand he needs it. In those, what we find is the most difficult part is creating the inbound consumer demand. Because without that, you almost do not get any sales. Whatever technology you put in place. Like, you know, you can't create an app out there which says in five seconds you can buy life insurance. It doesn't mean your life insurance sales will go up because there's nobody wanting to buy. What you need is people coming and saying, hey, I think I want life insurance. Because then your sales will go up. So yes, you have to deploy all the technology, but this is the big piece, Rajan, I believe that the world of fintech hasn't quite grasped that there are two parts to this. Mm -hmm. One is the consumer conviction and then is the technology. Technology without consumer conviction doesn't lead to anything. And that's why in the world of insurtech, you've almost had no success whatsoever because almost everybody has focused on developing that really smart gizmo with no consumers coming to them. No, you know, I think this is a very important point because, you know, any aspect we look in India, right, especially, you know, I know through India at 75, we talk one of the best ways for India to get global leadership is to be able to skill our manpower, right? And we we just take, you know, people from the slums and, and just put them into any skilling program that we think they're passionate about. And we feel that they will go through 
you know, and 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 you know become you know earn livelihoods, etc. But the baggage that they've come with, right? Understanding that, breaking that down, making them stick to something, you know, it is such a critical thing, right? And exactly, therefore, what you said, I think it's the consumer conviction or you know the person conviction before anything else. that is so important for a country like india right especially when we talk of building agency in people enabling them to have some consumer spending habits and given that we are a frugal innovation hub uh, you know at least we pride ourselves in that it it does affect right when people want services they want products but you know they have a challenge on on how will they pay for it so how how have you innovated yashish around some of these challenges you are typically try to be very straightforward about it okay because without being straight forward about it you cannot get the communication home so you cannot say nice things like buy health insurance is a good thing to have the very mm-hmm. simple thing is people do fall sick people do go to hospitals the hospital bill is 35000 rupees per day if you go to a good hospital that's the average hospital bill in delhi bangalore anywhere if you are if you are in a big hospital without naming any and i think the middle class consumer in india is earning about 30000 rupees per month so essentially in a day he would wipe out his one month pre tax earning and he will still have to pay taxes on that so i think uh, and he still have expenses so i think it's impossible for the middle class indian to afford healthcare without insurance and unless a person hears it that way they don't get it and then they don't understand that it could happen to them you have to just explain to people that look around you look around you at the 20 people who are like you has any of them gone to hospital you might find they have so then why exactly are you different and i think it has to be just that straightforward i i lost my uncle in 1983 and that's when i realized it he was going to play basketball on a scooter when a truck came and hit him and his house from the basketball court was less than 1 km when a truck came and hit him and that was the end of him right and uh, the family had to go through a huge amount of financial turmoil on that so what i'm saying is a fit person about 30 year old going to play a basketball match you know he couldn't have even thought that he won't be there but but that does happen if you look at statistics there's a lot of death out there it's like uh, you know what buddha said suffering death is going to, is a reality and in that situation uh, unfortunately in the in the modern world with nuclear families because india always had joint families so we could support each other but in the nuclear family system you are left alone to fend for yourself and that is where the disaster happens and i think people need to hear it just that way and i know it's very very harsh but they need to hear it just that way to be able to convince themselves they need this particular product you rightly said while we buddha said that you know death is the reality i think all everything that we are doing technologically globally today you know you look at is oh, we can live longer <laughs> what can enable us to you know to because at the end of the day life is the ultimate goal for any any human being right extension and sometimes you wonder if if you could live a thousand years i mean what would you do right so the whole sense of achievement so it's these are very uh, you know i think ethical issues that not only we as a country but i think the world will need to deal with you know particularly as you know we move towards this crazy technological age which we believe is 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 really making disruptive changes on on many many aspects of of human life so you know taking the technology piece again sorry i'm coming back to that oh, absolutely i do if i do see india's strength 25 years from today 
right? I mean, some buses, you know, look at the AI, China and other countries, US, others have really, you know, shot ahead. But, you know, we are moving to a metaverse, we are seeing immersive technologies, we are seeing, you know, this whole crypto world, which has come in, you know, governments looking at some of these things, you know, very differently. In some way, you do come into the fintech category, although, you know, it's insurtech, you know, how is all this confluence of so many technologies, disruptions, um, you know, affecting you? Where do you see, you know, um, us particularly as India, you know, what should our stand be, position be as we, you know, continue to innovate, but adopt and adapt these technologies and still maintain, you know, the inclusivity and affordability for our citizens? Rajan, the key aspect in my view is intent and it is very difficult to gauge intent. So I, I do believe uh, all of these technologies have huge positive potential. You know, blockchain has a huge positive potential. Immersive technologies have a huge positive potential. I think uh, risk assessment we have spoken about and needs to always be there. I think one has to, at the same time, see what can go wrong. See, if you look at uh, what one of the Fed people said, that in the last 20 years or 50 years or 80 years, since 1920, actually, they said that the central bank's role has historically been to be able to provide capital every time disasters happened. And, and somewhere you need to always know that you have the ability to handle the situation if things go really south, right? And I think somewhere one needs to address that. Now, in terms of technology, I think as far as insurance is concerned, the biggest change can come in the claims experience. At the point of claims, there's a lot of data available through multiple sources, which can through, uh, you know, the use of technology be digitized. There is a policy which can be digitized. So an e-claims experience is critical. If we as a country believe insurance needs to grow, we have to grow the e-claims platform because that is what will drive confidence in the product. Because today, what is the reason that some of the consumers are not purchasing? They say, look, it's going to be a pain getting a claim. But if you have a digitized process for both onboarding and claims, that has to come from the back end. And that has to be openly available to all formats of distribution. And I think, uh, you know, the uh, National Digital Health Mission is a great start on that. The IIB is a great start on that. The account aggregator framework that we have is a great start on that. Regarding, you know, metaverse, crypto, etc. See, we had uh, Second Life uh, way back in, you know, the early 2000s. I remember, I think it was 2001 or something, we had Second Life. So uh, my, my belief is uh, one has to watch these things a little bit. Uh, you know, I think, uh, and when I meant intent, what I usually mean is know everything that's possible with technology, but always make technology your slave, not your master. If you make technology your master at some stage, you will head towards disaster because technology doesn't have a heart and uh, you know, it can cut any possible way. And I think a lot of things, uh, you know, with that, that, that are there could, could, could be quite problematic as well. So I guess you have to put the heart in front of the technology. You have to put the intent in front of the technology. What do you want to achieve out of it? And I guess uh, we need to obviously trust each other, both the government and that I'm seeing a lot of emerging, right? A lot, a lot of trust is emerging between uh, at least the entrepreneurial ecosystem and, uh, and the government in making these things happen. And, 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 you know, the entire space of policy making around supporting the growth of, you know, insure tech and other fintech enterprises, 
you know, any any thoughts on from you on you know uh, is there something uh, that we should uh-huh. i think the data with consent mm-hmm. uh, needs to be much more freely available to all fintechs all insurtechs all everybody and uh, i think uh, uh, see we have to also carry the old part of the industry along we can't say that only the new will play and the old will not because otherwise you know what you will have is the old will feel a bit left out that hey what was wrong with us we built india during an era which was hard now yes it's an easier era but we should also have a chance of participating i'm talking for the uh, people who are slightly senior to me who have also built enterprises and and they have equal capability of being entrepreneurial but i think uh, somewhere they need to be encouraged more also towards the technology side and being uh, being uh, significant players here and so do the young so i guess data has to be made more freely available to all it cannot be the property of any one private entity in my opinion uh it has to be consent based and the consent has to have very clear rules what is a consent how does the customer give a consent and it has to be equally available to everyone of course for a fee perhaps because clearly any uh, platform that is kind of ha- going to handle such data is going to uh, you know have certain costs and thus a fee is necessary and what do i mean by data today we have data on cars today we have data on people today we have data on uh, accounts today we have data on people's financing their investments their credit all of it and thus allowing businesses to build gated experiences on top of this data is a great thing as long as customers are opting in for that option so I, at an aggregate basis anybody can have access to data but at an individual basis that data needs to be you know gated through a consent yeah no i, I think opting in is so critical right and i think that's where Absolutely. the abuse of data of looking at say a photograph and deciding what needs to be served to that particular consumer is being challenged because you know it if it's not something that one is you know opting in for but tell me you know globally there are so many best practices i think the whole world is struggling really with this right there are some you know some countries that have kind of figured out a little better than others when it comes to you know data protection and and you know how does one really go about doing this we've made a lot of progress in india right on the non personal uh, data europe's yeah. europe's given us a good model to follow uh with their you know gdpr yes yeah, yeah yeah but uh, i think india will uh, and should because see every government in the world acts from their own perspective and what we have to see is uh, a lot of governments uh, and europe europe is a good model for us and i'll explain why see most of the large tech players are not european they are actually us and so europe is both a defensive play a consumer play uh, europeans don't gain too much by the large tech players having a lot of data access right so it's a it's a it's a kind of balance and i think that is exactly where india plays india will be developing uh its own uh, uh indians will be developing our own companies but to a large extent the large global players are american um in india i think uh, and thus we will have similar concerns about you know how data is accessed how it is used and how much control the consumer must have on their data and how it should not be abused so i guess uh, you know, we we can take a leaf out of it but my gut tells me that i think uh, we will we will come out with a with a even more superior uh, thought process 
on uh, on uh, data and data consent and data access i think somewhere one problem that can appear is parts of the government might want to hold on to data and might want to make it power centers i think we should try and refrain from that because that will not be uh, fruitful to anybody this data is of no use if it is just held it is only of use when it is used otherwise it just becomes uh, you know static data yeah and data with consent i think is is absolutely the way you know to yes to make it you know and and you know you pretty interestingly talk of india being you know consuming you know the technology us can you know technology but the world is today really divided right between you know supply chains and technology china versus us and you know india's positioning there and this is an off di- you know discussed debated topic geopolitically you know uh, india opting out of rcep and you know basically geopolitical changes you know having an impact on the future of uh, you know companies that are coming out of india with very large global aspirations right uh, you know in in that light you know any any, yeah, any i will thoughts? i will i will say i think we need to make we need to have a serious conversation with uh, our entrepreneurs and our government i would be delighted to be part of that conversation which says okay Uh, see in india we we for example are a market leader right we've got uh, our position we've got our scale now we should easily be able to expand abroad and when i say abroad i mean at least i'm not i'm not even talking about europe and us yet i'm talking about middle east i'm talking about southeast asia why not right but today it is very very cumbersome it is extremely cumbersome and i'm telling you the way many entrepreneurs are doing it is they will actually move out and set up their hub in singapore or the uae in order to be able to do that look according to me from an indian perspective that is uh, you know here i'm putting my india hat on rather than uh, you know yashish hat on uh, and you know being who i am i can't help do that i think it's a bit of a disaster that we are creating for ourselves you know when our best minds our brightest brains are in order to expand abroad and i have i've been through that we are opening a business in the uae right we got the consent from the uae in like 30 days but our own consent framework has taken so long that you know it, it, so we, we our, our rules are not very friendly maybe we come out of fear that you know fdi capital account controls etc so we come out of a lot of fear but i guess we need to somewhere start to maybe give some appreciation to some businesses which have the ability to do so because that's how we will create the next googles how will we create the next googles Uh, it won't just happen if we have to experience first first we'll have to go to you know indonesia malaysia uh, dubai become successful there and then move on to the next level uh, as consumer businesses as as back end tech plays yes you can do that far more easily but as and consumer businesses require investment we have to go and invest in the consumer behavior there i guess uh, it's it's time when a lot of businesses in india can do that uh, we have to make the rules easier for them somehow i i think you're you're hitting upon a point which most and pretty much every new age entrepreneur talks about right at some point after you hit a critical mass you know this question of you know where will you be based especially when it comes to global aspirations you know how does one really expand because you know having seen that and you rightly mentioned earlier that many of the trillion dollar plus companies i mean there are six in the world five are tech and you know some of couple of them headed by indians the indian sweat and blood that has gone in creating those 
why shouldn't we as entrepreneurs from india at least aspire and be able to create that size you know that kind of an enterprise you know moving forward what holds us back right and and what prevents that and and you know i started out by saying yashish if you remember that this vision of an india at 100 will get unlocked through multi stakeholder participation right so what you rightly said we need conversations we need understanding just because you know 1% will misuse something you know 99% cannot you know uh, you know be there but there is a baggage right there is a legacy so we know the rbi has that innovation box within which you know the regulators do not apply so we are doing those at i think in in pilots but important i think for us as a country think, uh, to unlock that at scale right so yeah, yeah we need to have the confidence to believe in ourselves believe in our businesses believe in our entrepreneurs if i if i look back the time when indian thinking really went and exploded in the world was actually ashoka's time and why did that happen because he had his four sons or whatever went out and uh, you know spread the message i'm 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 giving a historical example here but otherwise we've largely stayed to ourselves our people have gone abroad but you know our companies have not really expanded abroad and they can today we are ready we are absolutely ready there's nothing in southeast asia or middle east that can i go to the uae and i look at the entire uh, you know uh, crypto world that's happening there it's all indians all all 95 90, not 95 99 to 100% okay there's nobody but indians why are they not doing it in bombay somewhere we are making it we are forcing our children to go out and do it and and in 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 today's day and age we don't need to you know we can we we can solve that why is the policy bazaar struggling so much for opening just one country i have given up on it we publicly said we will not go abroad because it's too difficult i don't have the ability as a public company to set up a dubai or a singapore center and kind of expand from there i've already committed to being an indian company but you know you you get my point those yeah, need to yeah, change yeah. we need to have a conversation we need to we need to talk about the real issues yeah yeah no you know and and you have perfected a model you know which includes you know which is inclusive it has access it has affordability that the world is literally yearning for right and and somewhere as an entrepreneur i'm sure you're seeing that right uh, you know all of us you know go somewhere and we know that we can do this better than what is happening especially when you go to so many countries the price at which it can happen i think i think these are real issues right and i think a discussion around that you know if if you were you know today able to influence how to make it happen for india right i mean it's not it's just a conversation budget it's a listening conversation mm-hmm. where we need to have 10 10 20 20 people in a room mm-hmm. and the people who are at those decision points right uh, people like us and the uh, government people and deciding okay these are the three things we will do to simplify these are the biggest pain points the you know there are certain pain points but today and i th- and i think we are we are ready i think the government is ready to listen the entrepreneurs are ready to go global and do well in india now it's a time for action you know when i look at my own regulation i see the new chairman and i see the kind of statements that are coming out they're like phenomenal it's music to the ears so now i think the alignment is there the intent is there now it is okay can we make it to action and for action we need to have the hard talk Yeah. And look boss this is the real fundamental issue yeah. that is holding us back right no no i think and, that that honesty that that the, you know the 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 candid conversations i think the time has come right and absolutely. and there is enough trust like what you rightly said today we've been able to win trust because all said and done right 
companies, you know, whether we talk of just the unicorn rate, of course, it's a stepping stone to larger businesses, depends on how you view it, is actually today the pride of India, you know, coming out of a pandemic, you know, where we see the world, you know, the, the only, you know, through the year, all was this, the, when you open the front page, one more unicorn, you know, there's a positive story to the entrepreneurial spirit unleashing, you know, you mentioned about you, people who don't, uh, you know, enjoy their job, go there, you know, I was at a convocation, and it was a a fairly large one, uh, you know, and I, and I asked them, I said, you know, how many of you want to become, uh, you know, job seekers or job creator? You won't believe 65, 70% in the audience put up, we want to create jobs. We don't want to just go and, you know, work somewhere. I agree. That's, of course, a little too extreme. And we know a large part of them will fail. But the time for India is now, right? It's not only the I large agree, guys who are getting bigger, but the whole grassroots upward mobility of so many new entrepreneurs waiting to find solutions to difficult problems over the years. You know, I, I share one point with you, which yeah. I'm sure you already know. Yeah. Uh, when I used to interact with people in Europe in 2000 mm -hmm. and interact with people in the US in 2000, in 2000, people in the US already believed Indians were smart and were digitally savvy and all that stuff. But Europe did not believe so. Europe actually believed India was backward. Today, when I talk to people in Europe, when they hear it's an Indian founder, they take a step back. They understand that this, this thing requires a huge amount of respect. They say, and, and they make they make a point of it. Oh, there's this company's got an Indian founder. You know, it, it means that's a very competitive, cutting edge company, which is going to be very hard to compete with, right? And I think that makes me feel very proud yeah. that, that we, we've achieved that respect. Yeah. I think, look boss, intent is awesome. Government intent, individual intent is awesome. We are still stuck in a time warp. We have old rules that need some changing. They're not very difficult to change. I think that needs to happen. It's really that simple. <laughs> you know, like in your own business, you put a timeline, right? Like we will achieve so and so in so much time frame, right? If you... This needs to be done. the framework? Yeah. How, how do it's, we... I would take like, up a target of doing it within three months. Mm -hmm. Because these things are somehow, those rules are somehow so logical, they can be changed. Mm. That there is no reason to not do it. There is, there is no reason to not have an automatic approval process for every company in the country who is on the who is listed on the stock exchange to be able to operate abroad no reason i have an automatic process why not they are already they are already on the stock exchange they are already fully monitored why are we blocking that right and and whatever capital they require you know have an automatic process obviously anybody caught ever you know dodging the system and kind of taking that for the personal gain and you know breaking fdi and all put them in jail straight away right what do you have a system a system of trust which operates well and if broke if the trust is broken there are consequences you know you have the results out of it but i think that is required rather than kind of you know throwing the baby with the bathwater and saying okay we're going to make everything so tough that everything will take a year and people will just give up i i think you're it's a 180 degree shift in the way you know we will operate both you know across the board as as well as vertically right because i think the problem that you're talking of will impact so many industries right it's not just your industry or fintech but will open up that that cultural shift you know and really what india will stand for and share with the world as we continue to you know yeah. take this on and it's interesting right when we talk of uh, india or indianness right and and that export to the world you said when you go there people indian founders are looked upon you know, with a great degree of respect, a lot has changed, right? In in in, in the years, years. Has changed everything. You know, and and now if we are looking 
you know, for the future and, and really being able to create or take, I would say, leverage that, that impression or, you know, the brand value or the brand equity that Indian and Indianness has created. Uh, we, we need to be able to have a policy framework and, and other stakeholders that can, you know, make that happen. But, but tell me, you know, if we, we, we said, here's a 250-day agenda, right? Yashish says, you know, we, we want to put out a 250-day or a, you know, a, a, a six-month agenda, seven-month, whatever, however time frame we want to put it, right? It's, see, getting policy changes is definitely one part of it. As an industry, as a group of uh, members from society, you know, what can we do, right? Because I think I think the vision is very clear, right? What what you're saying, we have to go out there, claim Imagine our... At this point, yeah. one has to be very clear on what one wants change in uh, and where one wants government help. And that is policy change. Mm. Uh, beyond policy change, the entrepreneurial strength of India is so immense right now that, you know, I, I'm... I'm like supremely confident we just cannot be stopped. We are we're in that stage. So what do, what do you need to ask of, you know, such an entrepreneurial bunch? The only thing we have to be worried about is more Indians doing even better, right? That's going to happen automatically. I think what we have to worry about is at least in the short term, is that all going to happen in Dubai or Singapore or is it going to happen in India also? And I think a lot of it is happening in India, but whatever is happening in India is staying within India. Yeah. And somewhere, uh, uh, and I think, from an entrepreneurship perspective, uh, you know, when we look at individual areas, whether we look at, ins- see, insurance, we are following a 1932 act. Come Even on, 1932. Yeah. So 1932 is an old act. Somebody needs to, you know, every five years, what we need to have is a review, which orders, which, which rules are still required, which are still pertinent. If they are not pertinent, why have them? You know, just like we look in, we do a spring cleaning of our house once in a while and we say, okay, whatever, you know, we've not used for five years, let's donate it or let's kind of get rid of it. So I think in some respect, we need that because people somehow remember these rules and they keep coming in the way of us. And we've, we've suffered over the last 13, 14 years, but let new entrepreneurs not suffer with that. Right. Because uh, for us, we've come, we've come through that. But the point is, you know, let's, let's at least make sure it doesn't happen for the future. So I think a lot of our effort from a government standpoint has to be on. Second area is going to be on data provision. And I think the government is playing a phenomenal role there. Uh, with the UPI, with the Aadhaar, with the uh, NDHM, with the account aggregator framework, uh, you know. So I think that is the second agenda. You know, be the be the data repository, be the data holder. Of course, privatize it, work in public-private uh, partnerships and make it available freely to everyone with consent so that, you know, everybody can really grow this ecosystem in India. I think these are the two areas that we need government uh, help. Quite honestly, this whole aspect of, okay, we need a funding and all, Nobody needs it. There are are fund houses lining up, lining up. There's so much money available to come into India. So much. There is no dearth of it. So there's no point setting up another 10,000 crore corpus because there's probably lakhs of crores lying there, which is dying to come into India for these entrepreneurs. So I think that's not required at all. No, you know, you're the reviewing this every five years because what you rightly said, five years ago, maybe the fund was, I mean, or maybe 10 years ago, the funds were required. Today, not required. So I think even this, Journey to India at 100 really needs very strong reviews as 80, 85, 90, 95. And, you know, no. disruption is happening so much faster today, right? Yeah. And which rules do we not require is a must. I think we have to go into it. Okay, these are the 100 rules we have. We don't require. Why do we require each one of them? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think understanding dropping ninety and adding three will probably yeah. be the best way. It's probably the best solution we can get. <laughs> you know, but you know, just uh, you know, this whole insurance piece, right? Is 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 a very important one for a country like us, right? Like where you say, you know, when we talk of level of social security, like say in the West, etc. And you said insurance, you know, continues to. to play a very very key role right it's it's preventive health and then you know primary care and so many other things so do you see many more problems that need to be solved through so rajan in my startup? view yeah. in my view uh, as far as insurance is concerned it's a very very serious matter any country can afford universal you know quality service provision because see whatever you do with technology the quality service provision always has a certain cost right or at least where you, the middle class would want their children to go uh whether it's to school or whether it is to get some treatment because when you do the treatment it has to be unfortunately done physically and there's a cost to the doctor and there's a cost to that space and the equipment and everything else right so quality healthcare at a universal level really you know struggles to be afforded at below 30000 per capita mm-hmm. anywhere in the world anywhere in the world so it's not about the west being ahead or the anything else it's all about money at the end of it you know the nhs system works at is one of the most efficient systems in the world it works at about 14% of gdp or or uh, no sorry it's about it's about 9% of gdp but it, it is the most efficient healthcare system in the world today so i guess uh, and i don't think we can expect the 1 2% that we spend on healthcare to suddenly go to 10 15% in india has different you know when you look at the expense of india we have oil imports we have various other things that that are there and uh, our resources our revenues are still limited so i guess somewhere insurance has to be the cornerstone of the middle class getting protection for themselves and in that we have to play the enabling and the education role now insurance can easily do that because the middle class automatically means there is a certain amount of income and a thousand rupees per month can be afforded and a thousand rupees per month is exactly what one is talking about in being able to afford insurance for 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 everyone so i guess um, the back end technology infrastructure is where the government can really help because without the government support that won't happen easily because there are two different industries there's the healthcare industry and the insurance industry that have to work together both of these one of them has a regulator one of them does not have a regulator so they won't be able to work together till the government enforces something like the national digital health mission and all claims being paid through that etc so i guess that is the piece that the government needs to kind of support on and you see large global players being benefited i mean you can benefit from those kinds of partnerships or do you really feel in in the insurance tech space we are pretty much going to shape the future of the world as we move forward i think in the insurance tech space uh, i increasingly hear what is happening in india is very real and the world is starting to see there are a lot of fads in the world that happen uh, and and people are starting to realize okay these were fads and what's happening in india is very real uh, the change that's happening is is very real and quite honestly the other countries don't have the opportunity india has because you cannot really provide health insurance in europe and uh, you know even even in the us etc with the social with whatever social security is available in these countries it's a southeast asia opportunity which is why i say india is very well poised it's not even a china opportunity honestly because there the government uh, you know involvement in the healthcare system is very high uh, uh, india largely has a private healthcare system so uh, a global insure tech leadership india at 100 opening up you know adequately quickly right now 
to be able to give us that shot you know is is big one absolutely and i think, and I think you know a lot of the 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 tech initiatives and we seeing that in fintech right like you talked about old generation businesses you know and new gen and i think that bridge between the two right adding layers on top of the existing large businesses that might be serving so many millions of consumers elsewhere is also a big opportunity to make them more efficient operationally more effective they could even be governments right so is that a fair way to to look at the overall size of this opportunity the see we have more people we have more data we have better technology we have cheaper technology cheaper does not mean worse it means more efficient uh, we have smart entrepreneurship happening in the country i see no reason why we will not be the leaders i see zero reason why that will not happen uh, i think we have to simply be the enablers uh, which is basically make sure the roads are not blocked basically make sure you know our our laws are supportive etc etc and and quite honestly we're not even talking about you know cryptocurrency or anything of that sort right now which which may have certain inherent risks that you know people need to sort of absorb here we're just talking about okay whatever makes sense can that be just just permitted freely yeah and and the way the public markets are 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 running in india you know kind oh, there's of there's a lot of capital available there's a, there's a huge amount of capital available for anything in india uh one doesn't have to worry about that because where it, see if you and i don't want to go into into any country specific but most of the markets are blocked out mm. if you think about it, you know why why do i say most in fact i'd say all the large markets are blocked out for investment so eventually uh you can invest there but you will never get your money back this seems to be the only market where you can invest and still hope the hope to have the ability to retain your equity 20 30 years from then yeah no absolutely i i know we had a a small acquisition in ukraine and now suddenly <laughs> we don't know where 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 the team is right now something like that ever happening to someone who has created an investment in india is is very unlikely right i mean just kind of yeah it's it's, it's, it's much less it's yeah, much less likely happening. yeah yeah it's much less likely india is likely to stay a neutral state or a west aligned state for the longest yeah. period of time uh, or a democratic country so I, i i you know i think there are certain inherent advantages in the emerging world that india has and that is not of being cheap it is of being smart it's of being digitally savvy it's about having data it's about having consumers and it's about being the leader not a benefactor from the others quite honestly do you do you see indians still proliferating like you know as people going into different countries you know aging populations happening in the rest of the world you know meaningfully on the ground making change in the future as well i mean certainly are they yeah. certainly are everywhere yeah. everywhere yeah and uh, i i think uh, you you look across the world you you will find uh, i i would say 60% of uh tech startups in the world would have an indian founder wow that's a big i'm i'm, I'm saying take leave out leave out china uh, leave out russia and whatever is going on there i'm saying and i'm i'm not commenting on those countries because i refuse to comment on any country yeah. i'm just saying if you look at what you call the democratic world mm. so to say and uh, you say okay of all the entrepreneurship happening there how much of it is indian enabled i would say at least half of them have got an indian founder yeah 60 of the fortune 500 companies have indian ceos you know exactly. 200 
political leaders you know around the world have indian origin <laughs> including prime minister of portugal and vice president of the us in some shape and form you know the influence of 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 indians around the world is is something we are we are smart adaptive people yeah. it's just that simple i think uh, uh, but uh, all i'm trying to say is what do we take away from here we are smart adaptive rule abiding people we obviously abide by rules that's why we become ceos of all these companies sure and india is has a government which has a very high intent to be a global leader i think we need to put it to action very rapidly very rapidly without giving it a five year look yeah. this is something that does not need, need to take long you know i trust every employee of our company the day they join us right till they have proven themselves to be not worthy of that trust till that day they are 100% trusted everybody is 100% trusted right that's exactly what we need this music to my ears because i say the same <laughs> you know but but you're absolutely right right i mean why not you know one 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 has to ask that question why not right at the end of the day forget even that what else are you going to do if you're not going to trust your own people what else are you going to do you know <laughs> you're going to keep looking at your back all the time you're going to waste your time on that stuff what's the point you know at the core the human values or what we believe uh, which india has actually taught the world right so today we are exactly. seeing such a movement happening coming out of india if we don't do it here you know then there's yeah. <laughs> no way we'll be able to 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 make that happen no i think you know it's just uh, it's it's just such an opportunity right and i think that excitement you know has been there in in your voice right through in all your you know all your all your comments and you know particularly when we talk of you know the the innovation required to drive us from an aspiration society to really an outcome led society like while we talk of you know i have a dream uh, a, the dream is already a reality but that's what you said right uh, you know the dream that you had is real but you know we have just a few more minutes and and uh, you know i will let you go because we've spoken for an hour and we can go on right there's no end to uh, a topic where you know we can have so much passion and about you know india about people about the youth but if you were to really have a a bold you know crazy dream you know uh, maybe from a uh, for a for 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 an indian right i mean you know we are seeing in the world uh, japan has shown you know the citizen at the center society 5.0 just changing the way society will be right you know 10 years from today right you know if you had that dream right i mean we still have basic issues to resolve to solve for in a country like india but when you see india at 100 right what do you see you close your eyes you open it what do you see rajan the biggest thing i see is our people wanting to work in india our billionaires not moving their money to london but moving it to india and billionaires abroad moving their monies to india not just funds because they believe that's not just a place of growth that's the place of secure growth uh, today why does everywhere across the world so much capital flow into the into london the reason is they find security there and i think uh, the the time has to come where that starts happening for india india will will be a technology leader i have zero doubt there india will be teaching the world everything but we will become strong the day our successful people do not need to feel the need to move out from a risk mitigation perspective when they feel that they are moving out to grow india that is the day when we will win in the real sense because today when i speak to entrepreneurs 
lot of them do it from a risk mitigation point of view. You cannot have all your eggs in one basket. Why not? It is the only basket you have, by the way. Why can't it be the only basket we all have, right? And and yes, you do whatever else one. So I think I think that that will require a huge amount of trust. I think what I'm talking about is trust between businesses and between government. And to be brutally honest, that's exactly what at some level the U.S. has. That's exactly what the West has. What does the West have that the other parts of the world don't? They have that trust between citizen and government that the citizens don't feel the need to risk mitigate. You know, as I was walking last night, I was walking along in uh, London, uh, and my house is is quite remote. And I saw a police guy parked there. And you know, you just walk up, you say hi, how are you? Hello. You feel good seeing a police person. That look, he's keeping the neighborhood safe. That trust is very important, right? And I think uh, to me, we we have a golden opportunity in the next five years, ten years to cement that trust between both sides. Uh, today, if you honestly ask me, that that trust is the biggest lacking factor in our strength. Absolutely, and you know that's. That's the core of a family. <laughs> you know, irrespective of what yeah, you family, have, right? it drives India, right? So, yeah. what you are really touching the attribute or the value is what is is you see in plenty in India, and we just hope that we can build it. You know, as a society with each other. I mean, what a what a lovely enriching conversation, Yashish. Uh, and I'm going to take you up. You know, we are going to do a lot of those smaller roundtables with the right people sitting there. You know, I think. you know as as you rightly said while we are continuing to do and grow our businesses i think the change we can make you know for the for the country by by investing some of our time there and of course it will benefit us and everyone else you know is is so important so i will be taking you up uh, on that as we march towards you know india at 100 and you know ci has been really committed i i must tell you this is one industry body from india at 60 in 2007 2008 when we met the prime minister then the cm of gujarat you know he actually said dilli aayenge to karenge and come 2014 we had new india of 2022 and what you rightly said over these years we have seen so many you know small steps but very important steps that have now added up to us reaching a take off point and and i think it's no, the intent the intent is crystal clear the intent is 100% the trust on the intent is 100% i think the time has come for the execution momentum which is also gathered base now it just needs to pervade every sector and just do it it's really that simple so i i think the last one and a half years have been phenomenal from you know every aspect in terms of the intent turning into reality and i think it's just let's just gather the momentum and kind of get it done we'll make it happen together <laughs> thank, thank you thanks such a thank you so much this was yashish dahia the founder and group ceo of policy bazaar in an interesting conversation with host Rajan Navani where he shared his vision for India at 100 thank you all for tuning into the i have a dream podcast stay tuned for more conversations where we explore what india has overcome and what india can do to become a strong leader as we enter a golden period